Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I am your host, Dr. Tammy West, and I'm very excited that it's my second week in the... Well, I just... Okay, I just now realized I called it the podcast closet, but I don't know what to call this. So for now, I guess I'll call it the podcast garage. I don't know. It's my video studio, so it's my second week recording, like, audio for podcast, but also for you to see on YouTube. So I'm still navigating that weirdness between, um, you know looking at notes and looking at the camera and talking to the microphone and but I think it's all going to work out okay I have a lot of great things to share with you today but the first thing I wanted to do is give you a preview of something that is coming up I think starting next week although I won't promise so I've mentioned to you several times that during the pandemic I along maybe with you went into a funk and then I've mentioned that I'm coming out of that funk I'm ready to go up and out and do all these things and I think one evidence of that is that not only do I feel better, but I'm starting to crave information again. Like prior to going into that funk, I was reading and listening to podcasts and then I just stopped all of that. Not only did I stop it, I didn't care. I really wasn't craving it. But now I'm starting to crave it again. So on my walks, I've been listening to podcasts. I've been reading some of the books that I had before. Um, It's just been exciting. So one of those books I mentioned in a Facebook group a few days ago and it's it's Viktor Frankl's um, Man's Search for Meaning and I was listening to a podcast that mentioned it and I thought well that sounds anything that's Holocaust related really interests me so I thought that was just sounded like this great book and I knew I mean I'd heard of it I just never read it and so I listened to the podcast I ordered the book I started reading it yesterday and so I don't know whether I'm going to do one, two, three episodes about it. I don't know if for sure if I'm going to start next week, but I think I'm going to start next week. And of course, I'm going to make it also woman's meeting. You know, I'm not offended or anything. That's what it's called. It, it just is what it is. But I did want to read something to you that was on, see, I wrote down what page, was on page 10 which is very, very, in the very beginning. And listen, I also want to say, it's like 150 pages and it's four by six. So I'm assuming, and I'm on page 32, but I'm very excited to go forward. But, but this, is, this is a quote that I read on, that he, that's on page 10 of this. This is the newest edition. He's passed away, by the way. Oh, I should have said, if you don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he was a psychiatrist in Austria in the 1940s and he spent three years in several concentration camps including Auschwitz and so the book the first part is about his experiences and this was the cool thing is that he writes about it from a man experiencing it and the second part is writing it from an outside perspective I guess like as a scientist like how do we how do we learn from this and how do we grow from this and so that's what the book is all about but listen and I'm going to butcher Um, two of these words and I apologize it says our generation is realistic for we have come to know man as he really is after all man is that being who invented the gas chambers of Auschwitz however he is also that being who entered those gas chambers upright with the Lord's prayer or the Shema Yisrael on his lips sorry that's part I probably butchered but I'm just so inspired And I'm just, I'm ready to go. So that was the first thing that I wanted to update you on. And the second thing was my trip this past weekend. I mentioned it in the Facebook group and I asked for your prayers. It's a possible opportunity to spread my message about stress to a lot of people who need to hear it. 
The trip was great. It went well. I think there's going to be lots of opportunities. But even more than that, it was the camaraderie. So it was four women, including me, and one man. And then we also had a virtual meeting with several other people. But the camaraderie was so amazing. We talked about emotions and mental health and social issues and gender and it was just amazing and there were books that were recommended by them that I then had to go into Amazon and order so my book list is growing I'm super inspired and motivated to get back into the world and to learn and to grow and I hope that you will go on that path with me one final thing actually there's probably two final things sorry about that two final things one of them is I'm going to go over some phrases and things for you to say and do with maybe people you work with. So I'm gonna put that in a document and I'll put a link in the show notes and you can go download that. So be sure to check that out. And the last thing is something that I have not done and I cannot believe I have not done it considering my topic, but I am going to give a disclaimer. And then after I finish recording, I'm going to go update my show description and all the text that goes with this show. My disclaimer is this, the things that I talk to you about on this show, in my blog, any of those things, are not intended to be therapy and they're not intended to address your particular situation. They are as a result of my experiences, my opinions, my research. And if you need further help, if you need something to address your particular situation, please reach out to some of the resources that I put in the show notes. (sighs) I feel so much better having given that disclaimer because I don't want you to think, (coughs) excuse me, I'm not trying to give you therapy. So I wanted to say those things. So onward. Usually in this show, I'm addressing you and your mental and emotional well-being. And although you will get those things every time we talk, regardless, it's just the nature of the topic. But what what I want to talk to you about today really is, is the mental health of those that you work with. And I'm going to kind of do that from two perspectives and by that I don't mean I'm going to divide it up into two sections I just mention once you know where I'm coming from one perspective will come from me personally with my lived experiences as a person with mental health in the workplace and then the second way that I'm going to approach it is basically sort of factual and and research-based and advice-based like what can you do if someone you work with is struggling So two quick stories, Um, a drink of water first. Mm. Two quick stories about this first perspective and my lived experiences as a person with mental health or mental health crisis. And if you are listening and you are a participant in one of these stories, I want you to know I'm not telling these stories to in any way blame, to be offended, to throw somebody under the bus none of those things. There is none of that going on. I'm grateful for every experience that I have had. So the first story is actually a combination of stories. So it's like story, story. I'm saying the word story a lot. Um, It started, my wanting to share the story with you started a couple of weeks ago when I was doing a webinar about mental health in the workplace and someone asked a question and he said, I have an employee who just returned from a mental health week and he didn't know if it was mental health hospital or what it was just there was a mental health struggle going on and he said now that she's back I want her to know that I care that I'm concerned but I don't want her to think that I'm breathing down her neck what do I do what do I say and I think this really struck me because I really remember I even remember like scenery and settings I remember when I got out of the hospital 
And, and if you don't know me, if you've never heard me before, my mental health hospital stay was 1995. And I haven't been back in. And my struggles are, you know, up and down. But I don't think I'll ever get to that point again. But it was 1995. And I remember when I got out and people around me, whether it was, you know, people in the workplace or friends, family, they were so confused. And it was awkward. And they didn't know what to say. And they didn't know how to act around me. And, and I don't think that I knew it at that point, but it was very difficult. You know, they just, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to ask. And of course it was the nineties. And I would like to think that we've come a long way since then with mental health conversations, but no doubt it's a difficult situation. And no matter how much we would like for mental health to be treated exactly the same as physical health, like if somebody gets back from having heart surgery, it's, it's just difficult. It's, it's really, it's not exactly the same thing. So the actual story that was a combination of stories kind of starts here and that was uh one of my very close friends for many many years i noticed started drawing away from me and even though it felt sudden you know if you look back it it really was coming over time and we then we completely weren't friends anymore about 10 years later she sent me a message and told me a lot of things but but the main point of her contacting me was to say I didn't know how to be your friend then. I didn't know how to help you with what you were going through. And then we talked on the phone. We actually met and had dinner. And and she said, I didn't understand how you couldn't, you know, deal with some things in life and you just couldn't move forward. And I just, I didn't understand. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is I had no idea. I thought it was because of a divorce. You know how when you get a divorce, sometimes, you know, you get one friend or the other. And I thought that's what had happened, but it wasn't that at all. It was her inability to understand my inability to deal with life. So it was a tough time for both of us. It really was. Um, And it's hard for many people to understand mental unwellness. They just don't get it. And I want you to keep in mind as we're talking here today, I am, this story is about mental illness, you know, mental disorders. And that's not, you may not always deal with a person like that in the workplace so it may just be that you're struggling with someone who's having a bad day or a bad week or they're just having mental wellness struggles or maybe you are dealing with somebody who is flat out you know dealing with a mental illness and they've been maybe in and out of work but for those of us who have struggled to this degree it is hard for people to understand even people who are close to you And I remember a couple of weeks, I think it was, before my admission, we tried to do an emergency counseling. And I went twice to this man. And here's what he said to me. He said, because my mental health um, was over having some bad feedback when I was student teaching. And then when I went to take the job, it just all came flowing back. So anyway, but he said, oh, you're having this much anxiety over a job? And don't take the job. It's like, wow, even the counselor didn't understand how I couldn't move on with my life and just make some decisions. How much harder would it be for your average person to understand? So you see, trying to understand somebody's mental health battle really is more difficult than understanding someone who needs some juice because their blood sugar has dropped. It is not the same thing. It is more complicated. Does that mean that I don't want to move the mental health conversation forward? Of course it doesn't. I want to move the mental health conversation forward, but I think ignoring the fact that it is different is disempowering and destructive. It is a very complex thing. If it weren't that complex, you don't see a podcast out there about how to talk to your friends about their blood sugar. 
right? This is different. My second story happened about five or six years after I started teaching. So I did teach for 10 years after the whole mental hospital thing. So about five or six years in, I went to a science conference with two other science teachers and we shared a room. It was in Orlando and I went into the restroom and what I heard in there just broke my heart and elicited quite an emotional response. Here's what I heard. One of them said to the other, yeah, she took the job, but then like for whatever reason, she just quit like the day school started and left us without somebody for six weeks. It was also awful. We had to get a sub. It was terrible. The kids had a hard time. <clears throat> they didn't know, you know, the only thing that my, because I then took a job there later on. That might not have been clear. I quit, went into the mental hospital. They didn't know it was a mental hospital. Then I reapplied and they hired me. And so they didn't know what had happened. And I explained, and of course they felt awful. But at that point, you know, I don't know. What do you do? Again, I haven't, it wasn't holding an offense, but it was definitely hurtful. So, you know, what I have to say about this, I think goes for all of us at work, no matter what the situation is. Just don't talk about people behind their backs. And I've done it too. I am not perfect. But at the very least, we should admit and know that it's not something we should be doing. Try to do better. And even if it's right in the middle of doing it, to stop ourselves. As best we can, we should try to not be hurtful to each other any place and in the workplace included. As great as it is that mental health has become more in the forefront and it's become something more acceptable to talk about. One of the problems is how do you talk about it, right? Like, how do you know when somebody is struggling? What do you say? How do you know for you leaders out there? How do you know if they're just quiet quitting or if it's a mental health issue? And if you don't know what quiet quitting is, I'll give you a link so you can listen to my last episode about quitting. But how do you know and what do you do? Now let's move on. I have four quick things that I'm going to recommend that you try. Again, remember, this is not counseling or something about your situations, but it's, it's four things that you can try when someone that you know in the workplace is having a struggle. And actually what it is, is it's four questions that you should ask yourself. Number one is, am I willing to devote time to this person? I think I've mentioned before that every person in my family, my biological family, struggles with mental health issues. There's that genetic component. Am I willing to devote time to help them? to my children, to my mother and father, to my sister? Absolutely. Now, some of that stops at certain points, but am I willing to devote time? Yes. It's my family. There's a bond. There's a tie. But what about people at work? And by are you willing to devote time, I guess what I really mean is if you're going to start a conversation, if you're going to ask a question, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to back away from your computer? Are you willing to put your phone down? Are you willing to listen to a hard conversation? Because sometimes if you ask a question, you might be the first person who is asked or you might just get them at the right time. But be prepared because be actually be prepared for both possible responses. One could be a total dump. It could be just, I'm glad you asked because I, and then an hour later, you're still sitting there. But on the flip side, you may think you're doing this great heroic thing by asking and you might get the response, no, but don't be offended by that either. But I think the first thing before you even do anything is to ask yourself the question, am I willing to devote the time? So that's number one. Number two, ask yourself, am I a counselor? 
And that probably sounds like a really weird question, but I'm going to say something very important. And I think when I put it in the show notes here, I'm going to put it in bold. So if you are hearing me, then you're not going to see it in bold and caps, but I'm going to say it in bold and caps. And here it is. You cannot fix anyone, nor should you try. See, I'm thinking if you've sat here with me for, my clock says we're at 18 minutes. If you've sat here with me for 18 minutes or so, then you probably care. You want to devote the time. You want to help. If you want to help, it's safe to say you want to say something maybe epic or you want to walk away feeling like that person's life has changed. You cannot, nor should you, fix anyone. And sometimes that holds people back from even talking at all because you're like, what do I say? What do I do? So just remember, and even if you are a counselor, you still can't really fix people. But I just want you to remember that it is not your job and it actually could be dangerous for you to try to think that you're going to approach a person and fix their mental health struggles. And you know what? That person, they don't expect you to fix them. Sometimes people just want you to be there for them, just to listen. So number one, am I willing to devote the time? Number two, am I a counselor? I'm just saying it that way because really it's, that's how I ask myself, am I a counselor? I am not. By the way, I am not. You may, yes, I have my PhD, but it's not in counseling. Number three, how do I know if someone is struggling? And the truth of the matter here is you might not know. The more you know the person, the more likely you are to know. So I wrote, and I'll put this in the show notes too. I put some things for you to look out for. These are not going to be anything you probably didn't already know, but I'm going to say them anyway. Mostly what I mean by these things is if it's out of the ordinary for normal behavior for that person. So here are, the, here are some things I put to notice at work. The person, number one, withdraws from a group. Maybe they're very active, very social before, and now they're not. Number two, maybe they're missing deadlines. Before they were punctual, 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 and now they're missing deadlines. Number three, they show up late or they miss more often than normal. Number four, the work quality suffers. Number five, there's increased conflict, maybe with coworkers, managers, employees. Number six, he or she cries more. And the last one, they talk more about feeling sad or worried or overwhelmed. Now, let me go back to what I said before. You cannot fix these things. But as a human, as a person, you can notice now, I'm going to put some resources in here, and I'll mention them in just a minute. But I think it's a fair question. How do I know if someone is struggling? Look for some signs. Okay, look for change. It's kind of similar to what you hear about if your children are changing. Notice things at work if something is different. And number four, finally, if you decide, I will invest the time. If you realize that you'll invest the time, but you're not there for, to fix it. If you are putting in the noticing, you know, looking for things different, the, the final thing is, what do you do or what do I do? What do I say? Um, let me start by saying I'm going to read you some numbers just in case you, I don't know, for some reason don't have access to the show notes or the internet. But if you think someone is in urgent need of help, if you think they're suicidal, reach out for help. And that help might be maybe at work you have an employee assistance program. Maybe you have an intranet. You have some sort of phone number or program. Start there. <clears throat> Someone you trust in HR. Or calling a crisis line. So I put a few numbers in the show notes. I'm just going to read them real quick. The National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233, which is the word safe. 
the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-4673, and that is HOPE, and the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, or there is a new suicide line, if you don't know this, it's similar to 911, but it is 988, and the way I remember that is WUV, like showing WUV, W-U-V. Okay, so it's 988, and these are only in the U.S. If you can't recall any of these, call 911. And I put a few other mental health links in the show notes. So circling back earlier, when I mentioned the person that said they didn't want their their person to think that they were hovering, but what could they say, and, and my story of panic and anxiety and people not knowing what to do. Um, you know, people didn't know that I was on Zoloft. They didn't know that I had panic attacks every night, sometimes stayed up in the night. They didn't know that sometimes I would have to take a clonopin, which is like a Xanax, if you haven't heard of it, just to make it to work in the morning. They didn't see me crying in the other room. They didn't know these things. But this was 1996. The conversation has moved forward now, but it's still hard to know. So what are, I wrote down some choices and some phrases. Again, these will be in the show notes. I'm going to list them here. Some things you can ask. Number one, are you okay today? And if you don't get the answer that you want or that you think, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but you, you think maybe something's going on, you could say, how are you really? Doesn't mean you keep pushing. Number two, would you like to talk? Number three, you seem like something is bothering you. And then you could say, would you like to talk? Number four, what's happening in your life? Number five, we all need help sometimes. I think that's really important to let people know that you don't have to suffer in silence. If it's an anger issue, if you feel threatened, remove yourself from the situation. Report it as per your company policy. If you feel endangered immediately, call 911, whatever it is that you need. If you're not feeling necessarily endangered, a phrase you can use, your words and loud tone of voice are making it difficult for me to understand. Let's talk again when you're ready. Okay, I put more phrases in the show notes. There's a whole nother show we could do on anger in the workplace. I don't know. I'll do that at some point, but I just wanted to give you something simple. Some things not to say. Well, it'll get better. Just keep your chin up and stay positive. Gosh, I know I'm stressed out too. Or calm down. I hope you know, I know that some people have super positive personalities, want to say, keep your chin up, it'll get better. But honestly, that is just discounting pain or saying, yeah, I know I'm stressed out too. When you feel someone is having a mental health issue, whether it's a crisis or just a down day, those phrases are not uplifting and helpful. Okay, so now what? So you've, you've decided you can devote the time. You have, um, let's see, what, what was my second thing? You've asked yourself if you were a counselor. You've looked at some ways to see if they're struggling. And then you've decided you can have a conversation with them. You've asked questions. What now? It's really, I, I hate to say it's simple, but it is simple as far as just having a framework in your head. Three things. Listen. You need to turn away from your phone. Close your computer. If you have to miss an appointment. But remember, you've already made this decision. So listen. Encourage. Whether that means encourage them to talk to someone. Maybe it's not you. Maybe you encourage them to talk to someone else that they feel safe with. Listen, encourage, and follow up. It's very easy to set a reminder on your phone. 
you know, hey, Siri, remind me tomorrow to check in with Bob at 10 o'clock. And you just say, okay, your reminder is set for tomorrow. (laughs) Sorry, Siri just reminded me to check in with Bob at 10 o'clock tomorrow. I didn't know I had my phone with me. So now tomorrow I remember to check in with Bob. But it's, it's very easy to set reminders. And it's not a bad thing. It's not like you're a bad person because you have to set a reminder. We have a lot of things going on. And so it's okay to do that. And just check in with a person. Remember, it's not your responsibility to fix it. But if you've gone through these four steps, let's do them again. Am I willing to devote the time? Am I a counselor? I'm looking, what are the things I should look for? And what do I say? What do I do? And then you listen, encourage, and follow up. I don't mean to be flip about it and make it sound super simple, but I just want you to have a a simple framework in your mind so that those people who are struggling, you have some way of knowing how to approach them. And anything that benefits them in the workplace is going to benefit you. It's going to benefit everybody. And I hope that you will also give us some words of wisdom in the show notes or the blog or whatever it is. So that's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining. As always, please comment, whether it's on the blog, show notes, in the Facebook group, on the Facebook page. Um, I don't know, where Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Subscribe, download. I would really appreciate you rating, reviewing, telling me topics that you want to hear more about, all of that stuff. You all have heard that from me before. I so appreciate you being here every week, helping us grow our community. All of those resources will be in the show notes and make sure you get that document, the mental health resources, everything will be there. Um, I think that's all. And so I'll just leave you with until next time, consider yourself hugged.